Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, and a hello to Eric Prima, host of Spotlight on Success. Eric, what are we talking about today? Oh, we've got a really interesting interview. It's uh, the hosts of Love Shack Live. It's a show that airs on Sister Station Alternative Talk AM 1150. Stacy and Tom Bartley are going to talk about relationships and how COVID in these last two years of somewhat isolation, what has it meant to all types of relationships and how do we heal those wounds or get things patched up and uh, as we come back together. So it's uh, sort of a poignant conversation considering what's happening in this great wide world of ours. Interesting, Eric. I've been reading more about this in the last couple of weeks than throughout the whole pandemic. What effect has this had on relationships, Mm -hmm. kids at school, a lot of parenting things that had to occur that were never predicted before. So this is so timely. I'm so pleased that uh, you're going to do this today on this show. Matter of fact, I haven't really uh, heard Love Shack yet. But it's so cool that they're going to be on my program, and I'll hear it for the first time. When do they air? So they air Thursdays at 1 o'clock, and they're also on podcast as well. I understand, though, Paul, too, you have some really interesting guests today. Yes. First up will be Neil Peterson. We're going to have him. He was the executive director of Metro Transit and Water Quality in the 1970s and early 1980s. And uh, he did more to get the downtown tunnel built than any individual at the time. I was kind of in an armchair seat at the time watching all the political ins and outs that made it happen. And it was a monumental achievement. And the other thing is the Metro Transit Tunnel came in under budget. It was built for $450 million and was built ahead of time. So that's not, though, what we're talking about today. I'm talking about Neil Peterson. He has a blog and it's called Meandering Musings. And uh, he goes around the world, like to, he's been to Baja, California, Cuba, Italy, Morocco, Death Valley, California, Iceland. That's what we're going to talk about today. Hmm. And the reason I really enjoy reading his blog and talking to him about his trips is he has this childlike quality to explain what's going on and kind of questions that he has. It's, it's a very fun read. That's all I can say. And uh, he's no child. I'll tell you that. Very brilliant person. But uh, he does some great work. And followed by a Nims Persia. I didn't know all this, but there are 14 of the tallest mountain peaks in the world, 26,000 feet, each of them or above, in the Himalayas. And uh, this man, he's from Nepal. That's where he grew up. He climbed all these 14 peaks. Now, the difference is it had been done before. But it took eight years to do it from the previous person who I don't know. He did this in six months. Amazing. Yeah, six months. <laughs> and uh, I'm going to apologize in advance a little bit because the quality of the interview, just the technical part, isn't outstanding. I had to reduce a lot because of that. But I still think it's worth listening to because it's, it's an amazing guy. So anyhow, that's going to be coming up later in the hour. And uh, then, of course, we got our one-hit wonder again. 1970. This will play on Kixie, and um, it's going to be by a band called Blank Jerry, meaning it's not blank, but fill in the blank, Jerry, 1970. And if you're listening to the KKNW version of this show, you'll hear self-employment tip on executing your tasks. So what else do we have here? I think we've got things rolling, Eric. How about you? Anything else? No, lots to talk about. Let's get to it. All right. So, uh, Neil Peterson and his meandering musings 
coming up next. When a flock of geese knocked out two engines on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 right after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, who would you want in the cockpit? Captain Sully or a pilot on their maiden flight? If Captain Sully was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Self-described social entrepreneur Neil Peterson is my guest. And today we're going to be talking about some of his trips that he's taken over the last decade or so, and he has a blog talking about it. It's called Meandering Musings, and I think that is a good description of what he writes about. Now, a little background on Neil. He was the executive director of Metro, and when he was in that leadership position, the downtown Seattle tunnel was built, and my belief is that Neil had the most instrumental part in getting that tunnel built. He's also been the director of some other public transit agencies in Oakland, in Los Angeles, and founder of Flexcar, which is now Zipcar. But that's not what we're here to talk about today. We're here to talk about his blog and his travels. Now, a lot of the travels he writes about in his blog, and I'll give that information out at the end of the interview, how you can access that. Today, our interview is going to mainly focus on Iceland. He took that trip in the midst of the pandemic. Very interesting observations in how Iceland was handling the pandemic as opposed to how we were. Let's just get to the interview with Neil on his trip to Iceland. Meandering Musings is your blog. You have uh, taken what I count 12 trips since 2014 that you have posted. I just want to read a quote, a reminder to us all that sometimes doing things that are totally outside of our comfort zones can be enlightening at times and a rewarding experience. That quote is Neil Peterson, and I read that this morning. It seems to me that's what you do. You've been through Baja, California in 2014. You're not staying at a resort. You're going to the back roads. You had a trip to El Camino del Santiago, a pilgrimage in, what, 2015, Cuba, Italy, Morocco, Branson, Missouri, Death Valley, California, just a whole group of trips, very, very different. When I read your blog, you always seem to bring something different to the party, so to speak. That's why I start, let's say, with Iceland, a trip you made in 2021. What do you know about Iceland now that you didn't know before you went there? So many things. You know, first of all, it's just a very small country in terms of size and also uh, in terms of population. Tough to sort of visualize this, but it's about the size of the state of Maine. It has about 350,000 people in it total. I mean, Maine has 1.3 million. It's very small, and it's located very far north. If you ever look at a uh, latitude and longitude view of the globe, I mean, it's 20 degrees further north than Maine. And yet it's serviced, if you will, by the uh, currents in the Atlantic that uh, keep it 
temperatures and weather and what have you somewhat moderate. It gets less rainfall than Maine, less snow than Maine. It doesn't get as cold as Maine. It does have more winds than Maine, however. And then the other things about it that just I'm just talking now, not about the people, but about the landscape and the geography and the uh, the landscape is just striking, absolutely striking. I mean, uh, only two percent of the land area has trees, and in Maine, of course, ninety ninety plus percent have trees. And then it's obviously an island. It's it's surrounded by water. And you can imagine the, uh, the, uh, the unbelievable beauty of that. The mountain ranges um, cover 50% of the land area, just way beyond what you would normally see in, a, in a, you know, another location. And then the other thing that's so striking are the, um, the ice fields, the, the amount of land that's covered by uh, glaciers. And then the other thing that is really striking are the number of volcanoes. I mean, there's like 300 eruptions a day of some size or another and every three years there's a major eruption because of its location on right on the edge of the european and north american uh, plate uh, it has these geothermal hot water and air that comes up from that that creates a very interesting uh, environment to say the least but when i say there's 300 a day i mean those are very small tremors and things of that sort where, where you see this most, and this sort of gets to the second point I wanted to make about the people, where you see this most in the day-to-day lives of everybody on the island are in these what are called thermal baths. Uh, we would call them uh, public swimming pools. Uh, every town, no matter how small, and the towns, believe me, I, the second biggest town on the island is 14,000 population. So these are small towns. But they all have these uh, public uh, thermal baths, which are heated naturally uh, from down below and what I described earlier. And they, they include, yes, a swimming pool, but more, more important than that are a variety of different uh, circular sort of major uh, what we would call hot tubs. Each one is heated to a different uh, temperature. So one hot tub, it might say 96 degrees. Another one might say 98, another one 101, another one is cold, you know, that type of thing. And these are very uh, good size, and people from the community come every day with their kids, their grandparents, their parents, and they uh, sit around and sit in these pools, and that's where they meet each other. That's their, co- that's their community center, and it is just a lovely experience. So if you, I was told by some friends of mine that are, uh, you know, residents and, and lifelong residents of Iceland, if you want to meet the local community, go to the thermal baths in each local town every day. That's where you meet them. And I found that very much to be true. What do we know about or don't know about Iceland that you know now? Can you share something like that? I mean, the camaraderie of the people or that just surprised you? I mean, if you like the outdoors, this is the place to go. I mean, the uh, the outdoor opportunities are just amazing. The other thing that's so striking to me is the um, the non commercialization of the island. Uh, obviously, in Reykjavik, the capital, where two hundred fifty thousand people live, two thirds of the population of the country live in and around the capital city, and that's very modern, as all the modern conveniences and what have you. But I spent my time. I spent maybe of the um, 
two weeks I was there, I maybe spent three days in, in the Reykjavik area, and all the rest of the time I spent out, outside in the country. Outside of Reykjavik, I don't think there's a road that has more than two lanes on it. And I did it in a, what's what a, just a little camper van, you know, just like a regular van that's been outfitted to have a little bed in the back. And that's what I slept in every night. And I did that so I didn't have to make a reservation anywhere. I didn't have to be somewhere. I wanted to just let the experience dictate where I was going to be or, you know, depending upon how I felt, what have you. And, and to me, the, um, the non-commercialization, the, uh, the being in touch with nature, being able to communicate so wholesomely with another individual in that environment was really striking to me. God, that sounds wonderful. It's like uh, almost like uh, a travel agent for Iceland. <laughs> <laughs> but what time of year is the best time to go there? I guess maybe sometimes uh, it's too crowded because it's the summer, but maybe you can get in there at a different time that the climate isn't so difficult and but the time of year the weather is cooperating more i went in august and uh you know the fact that i went during COVID actually turned out to be a little bit of a blessing because it didn't have the usual crush of uh of tourists uh you know so i i never ran into really any serious issues of too many people and you know too many places or anything like that and and they they've been very very conscious of their health um, and so they, they, it was at the time I went, it was the safest country in Europe to go to from a COVID standpoint, you know, to answer your question about timing, I mean, the beauty of the summer, of course, is the access to everything without severe weather, weather situations. Uh, the negative of going in the summer is you miss, you miss the experience of the Northern lights, which I hear is phenomenal, but you can't, uh, you know, it's, you're so far North that your, your summer evenings are kind of an endless, you know, it's it's dark for maybe three hours a night, uh, so you never see the northern lights in the summer. So if you if you really want to see the northern lights, you want to go in the winter. But obviously, the snow and the uh, weather and the darkness uh, during the day and into the evening um, is much more severe. So you sort of have to pick and choose what's what's important to you. If you want to do the kind of things I did, you go in the summer. If you want to see the northern lights go in the winter. You just had another entry into your meandering musings with Neil this morning. Tell us about that. For the first time, getting into what's called uh, life drawing. I'd never done that. I have no artistic background or talent whatsoever, but I this weekend experienced that, and it was quite an amazing experience. And I that kind of thing comes out sporadically and yeah, this was uh, quite an uh, effort you made, and it seemed like like so many things happened to you. It just occurred because you were going down there with an individual, and the point was you're going to draw live nudes. And as I read your blog this morning, it said basically that you were just bringing her down to draw the live nudes, and then they kind of said, hey, why don't you stay? And they handed you a sketchbook and a pencil and said, Go at it. And Neil, they're pretty darn good. Well, I think that's been very kind. No, I'm serious. I mean, uh, I was pretty amazed. Well, it was, uh, it, was, uh, it was a good example of what you, you know, sort of started the conversation with. I mean, here's something that's way, way outside of my comfort zone. I mean, you know, I just would never even consider doing something like this. 
And it turned out to be a very uh, satisfying, uh, almost meditative experience. And I, believe it or not, I've signed up to do it again in a couple of weeks. My thanks to Neil Peterson for spending time with us. And again, his blog is called Meandering Musings. If you want to find out about how to make a better cheese sandwich, you can find that there as well. If you want to access Neil's blog, just go to neilstrips.com and just input your email address and you will receive all of his blogs going forward. Where would you love to live? Have you explored today's market? When I spoke with Heather Ramos, she instantly put me at ease. I'm Coach Debbie from Story U, and I recommend Heather to first-time buyers or dream home shoppers and everyone in between. Let Heather's experience lead you to a perfect location and style and all within your budget. Contact Heather Ramos at Keller Williams. That's Heather Ramos at KW.com. On today's Spotlight on Success, I'm speaking with Stacy and Tom Bartley, hosts of Love Shack Live, heard on Alternative Talk 1150 KKNW Thursdays at 1 p.m. You can also catch it on podcast on most major platforms. Stacy, Tom, welcome. Hey, great to be here with you, Eric. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Absolutely. Thanks for having us, Eric. Thank you. I really enjoy talking to the two of you. There's a few uh, hosts that we have that... I'm one of those that when I'm on air, it's probably not the way I talk when I talk to other people. But you two, uh, you always have this energy about you, and I love it because I, 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 it, it makes me feel good by the time I'm done talking with you. So there you go. There's some kudos. Oh, I love it. Thank you for letting <laughs> Keep us those know kudos that. coming. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure those who are listening to this right now, especially those on Kixie, 880 are wondering, well, what's this Love Shack Live all about? Why don't you talk a little bit about the inspiration for the radio show slash podcast and give a you know an, an overview of what, what the program's like and when people tune in, what they're going to hear. Yeah, I love Love Shack. Um, and I hope that that comes through our programming. I created Love Shack. Tom and I had this brainstorm idea one night when we were sitting at dinner. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to bring something to the conversation of relationships that was a little lighter. And and thank you, Eric, for bringing that energy conversation to the table, because that means so much. That's exactly what it is we wanted to do is a place where you could come, you could laugh, you could play. And also you could get some super tips in regards to helping your relationships, not only with others, but with yourself. That's and awesome. So, yeah, Love Shack was just this. We love the B-52 song. And I said, Tom, what about the Love Shack? Like, And I really wanted to create that experience um, and everything that we do to make it feel like we're in a room together, right? You know, like we're in the Love Shack. And um, so you, along with your team, has made that happen auditorily so that, you know, we knock on the door yeah. and there's, hey, everybody's here. <laughs> and um, when Eric Burris created that for us, I literally sat down at the table and I cried. Oh. I mean, not that I'm not an emotional creature. <laughs> anyway but but it was like that's it that's, that's the experience so cool. that i want people to have when they yeah and i would say it. you know it, it's really it's it's designed for for couples and families committed couples and families eric that are really really craving what we like to to, to say and hopefully they experience a, a lifetime of love because i think <laughs> at the end of the day that's what we're all after you know is a is a is this feeling this 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 multi-dimensional, most complex thing thing we're ever going to undertake in our life. And that's that's an intimate relationship. Yeah. Well, as Tom, as you say, you know, the greatest regrets that we have at the end of our lives is the way that our relationships went, right? Mm. 
Um, and if that's the case, as Tom likes to remind us all, then why don't we do that on the front side and not wait until the end where we look back and go, oh, I wish I would have cleaned up that mess with such and such. My best friend, my my lover made things right or, or really reached out and went for that person that I wanted to connect with or rebuild with. That's so true. Um, and, I, and I think I feel like the older I get, the more important relationships are. And I don't have as many, you know, I don't have as many friends that I do things with. And I, um, my family, although it's a quite large family, I do, I do fewer things with everyone. It's just, it's just, I kind of get focused on maybe a sibling here or there and then do these quality time things. Relationships take work, don't they? Absolutely. Well, and, and, you know, that's the misnomer in relationships. You know, if you think about the triad where you have money, right, which would be our success or career, um, success, career, money, financial, and relational, that would be the triad that, you know, good lives, as we would say, in our culture and our society are made of. And relationships are just supposed to kind of, I call them the redheaded stepchild, because they're just supposed to come along for the ride. You know, mm. you either are good at them or you're not. And, and that's all that there's to be said about that without realizing that you develop them just like you do those other two quadrants. <laughs> if you want money, if you want financial foundation, you got to focus on it, you got to work at it, right? You gotta, it's kind to be something that requires time and and so it is with your career and relationship adventures yeah and i would maybe add one more to that make it a square would be health but again what we like to remind people and hopefully inspire and teach a mentor it's a skill-based journey such as your health or Mm. your career or you know gosh eric think of the difference and your mastery now versus when you first started radio, however many years ago that was. I mean, come on. <laughs> it was pretty it bad. Just... <laughs> it was pretty bad. <laughs> but, you, but I mean, it was practice and, and sure. feedback. And, you know, so, I mean, it's the same way with relationships. And we share that with people. They think, wow, you know, it's not only for the chosen few. It's available to all of us. <laughs> but you must require, you know, you require just like all of us, become masterful at anything. If you want to be a masterful lover, it's going to require time, effort, and energy, right? And practice. And I might add lots and lots of messes. We have to be willing to make the messes or we don't get better at anything. Right. right? There's, there's certainly going to be some tears along the way. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And angst Absolutely. and all the, mm-hmm. all the, all mm-hmm. the emotions, sometimes all in one day. <laughs> exactly. Sometimes all in one moment, you know, you ever been so mad and so delighted at the same time, right? Or so in love with somebody and sure. so angry at the same time you cry and laugh or <laughs> Yeah, it can happen. And I think that's in all fairness, why they are so challenging, because the emotional intensity of the emotions in our intimate relationships, let's just be honest, they're filled with, you know, the whole ride. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I I would just say, you know, having emotional difficulty is not a bad thing. And I think in our society, we've been taught that it is. And then we make up some stories about that. You know, I can't have love. I can't be lovable. I screw Mm. it up all the time. I can't get there without realizing, no, this is where, okay, if I were trying to get better at my career, I would say, oh gosh, okay, that didn't work. What do I need to do now? You know, what do I need to try differently? And it's the same with our emotional experiences. And yet we don't hold them in that light. You know, it either is or it isn't. And and that's a terrible tragedy, in my opinion. I think a lot of us make up a lot of stories about relationships that, quite frankly, just aren't true. And that prevents us from going again, from trying again, Mm -hmm. from trying something different or retooling. And we get better at relationships, just like we do driving a car or baking a good old fashioned batch of you know, chocolate chip cookies. I mean, it's going to require you probably in the beginning to mess it up. And and there's the understanding of it logically. And then there's the right of it emotionally. And when it comes to our emotions, I mean, man, they travel fast. And so when it's playing out in real time, it's lickety split, right? And and so all of that practice and mastery on the front side really helps us when it 
you know, the rubber meets the road. So it is something all of us can get good at. You know, you can do that. And listening listening to programs like yours is is a wonderful way to do it. Obviously, you can do some reading. There's workshops. There's even in, in, you know personal counseling and and couples counseling and so on. So there are the resources out there. But you, it seems to me you have to ha- have that willingness and sort of being humble about the fact that okay, I could be part of the problem here. You know, maybe I need to change some things. You know, and as a human being, looking at ourselves is the most difficult work we ever do. Like that is the hardest thing for us to do, to get off of our own perspective long enough to hear what somebody else is actually saying or to be introspective, to go, hey, is this, is this me? Can I, it, would, it, would it apply to me? That's hard for us. And, and in fact, in our society and even the way we were raised in our schools, unfortunately, we don't have time to get into that, but we were kind of taught to be defensive, to be manipulative. And as we all grab our chests, you know, as a human being, manipulation is how the the world works, you know, um, it is the society that in which we live in. And so it's very difficult for us to, to not get defensive when we feel like we're being challenged or our perspective is being challenged. And yet freedom is on the other side when we can let that go and go, okay, I know where I am. It's not contagious. The way you think or feel about something is not going to get all over me. If I just take a breath and listen and really understand where you're coming from, I'm not going to lose my place in the conversation. And then I can decide, well, does that work for me? Do I agree? Do I not? Right. It, it opens up a whole new world for us to navigate through things instead of feel like we need to go to battle instead. And that's a skill. That's all going to be a skill. With so many outside forces, I mean, you have the, your internal emotions, as you say, you, you, then you add a person into the equation. So that sort of doubles it up. And then there's all these outside forces, like what we experienced with COVID-19 these last two years. I, I would have to imagine that it's had a huge effect on all types of relationships. Mm-hmm. And, you know, depending on what you're going to find, you're going to find statistics and research based on it was the best thing that ever happened to me and my family mm. because it caused us to come home and rebuild our relationships and spend time with our children, our families. I retooled, I stepped into a new career, et cetera. Or it could be deemed as the worst thing that's ever happened because I became isolated, I lost loved ones. Um, and so, you know, it's interesting to always look at both sides of those experiences. One thing is for sure, historically, as we look back over tragedies of pandemics and natural disasters, et cetera, we know that whatever decisions that we were sitting on, right, as a human being, will finally make them when a natural disaster or we're faced with this life and death conversation. Mm. Um, We will finally get that divorce that we've been contemplating for the last 10 years, or we'll finally decide we're going to get married and take the plunge into committed relationships, right? I'm done waiting and I'm done being afraid of what that looks like, or we're going to have that baby, or we're going to start that business, or we're going to move to Toledo, (laughs) you know, all of these things we're so willing to do because we realize and have come face to face with the fact that we're not going to last forever. And the people that we love aren't going to last forever either. That's true. And and I love the shout out to Toledo. I've <laughs> yeah. never been there, but I've always liked the name of that place. <laughs> Me too. Me too. <laughs> well, you're right about events. When you look past, you know, even COVID-19, of course, it was 9-11. There's been many wars. Uh, certainly, when you look way back in history, there were some some major things that changed the way entire societies lived. So it's not a surprise to me that there's sort of this, um, what do they call it? They're calling it the great resignation. And maybe it's more than just resignation against your employment. Maybe it's a situation of even in a relationship. Maybe there's you've you've now see it's time to resign. 
Yes, absolutely. And I would say that is so true. And what we see, it's happening everywhere, not just in our careers, but, you know, in those triads that we talked about. And babe, I love that you added the fourth, which is health. You know, you see a resurgence of people recommitting to things that they know they've been wanting to do or needing to do in their lives. And now I'm going to do it because I have the reason to do it. I think it's fair to say none of us alive have ever experienced these last two years like you alluded to, Eric. So the fact that we all can universally have something that definitely confirms that, yes, this precious life experience, and it is precious and none of us know how long, when it's going to be our last, will expedite these decisions that we you know, and again, you, 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 you can Google, you know, like with the hurricanes, same thing, all these decisions that we have been in this indecisiveness is paralyzation. It really is. Clarity allows you to take the step and it's not the one you want to make. It is a step. So we often work with people when they can't make their next best step and we help them figure out what that is because indecisiveness is going to, it's going to drive you crazy. It really will. Well, as we wind up today's interview here, what's the best way that people can reach out to you besides of course, listening to your radio show Thursdays at one o'clock on 1150 AM KKNW. Yeah, the best place for people to find us and, and more information that you'd probably ever want to know about us is at our website, stacybartley.com. And we have links to the show. We are going to have access to our book that's coming up. Any of our workshops or classes that we do um, are all listed and posted there. Stacy Bartley, B-A-R-T-L-E-Y.com. Thank you, Stacy and Tom, for your time today and all my best to you as you continue your program and your practice. As for listeners to Spotlight on Success, be sure to tune in next week for another interesting conversation. Best to you both. Yeah, Thank you very much, Eric. to be here. Take care. You just received some startling news. You're going to need brain surgery. But the doctor also says your prospects for total recovery are excellent. The doctor is very confident with his prognosis. He's performed hundreds of similar surgeries during his career. Who would you choose, this doctor or another doctor who's never performed this type of surgery? If the doctor who's performed similar surgeries is your choice, then experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored, including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. If you or a loved one has diabetes, health care can be time-consuming and costly. The good news is your Medicare benefits can help. Here are some tips from the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging and United Healthcare. Know your numbers. Medicare covers blood glucose monitors and test strips. Take care of your eyes. Medicare covers vision screenings for people with diabetes. Get moving. Some Medicare Advantage plans include a gym membership. To learn more about healthy aging, visit your local area agency on aging or medicaremadeclear.com. At Big Brothers Big Sisters Puget Sound, one youth, one mentor, plus one moment can unlock limitless potential. When you sign up to become a mentor with Big Brothers Big Sisters, you are matched one-on-one with a child in your community, a child with big potential. Hundreds of local youth are waiting. Be there for one of them. Big Brothers Big Sisters Puget Sound. Sign up today at mentorseattle.org. That's mentorseattle.org. 
You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. Well, I have a really unusual guest here, very exciting individual. His name is Nims Persia. He summited all of the 14 peaks in the Himalaya Mountains. And there are two versions of this book. One is directed towards children and one is directed towards adults. And it's published by National Geographic, and they often do that. Now, in a world of achievements, and there are many, this is almost unbelievable. 14 of the world's highest 8,000-meter peaks. When you calculate that into feet, it's 26,000 feet. So all 14 peaks are 26,000 feet or above. And in this zone, Mount Everest is included. Now, get this. Someone has done this before. I don't know who. But when they did it, it took them eight years to accomplish this feat. Ninja did this in six months. Before I get into the interview with Ninja, I looked at his bio. And there's something in there where he served as a Nepalese Gurkha. Citizens of Nepal serve in the British Armed Forces. What's even more interesting is that this relationship between Britain and Nepal has been going on for 200 years. I had no idea. Well, let's get into what we're talking about today in this incredible feat, and that is climbing 14 peaks, over 26,000 feet, each of them. And by the way, I've interviewed Jim Whitaker in the past, and I'll replay my interview with him from some years ago, but he was the first American to climb Mount Everest in 1963, and he is retired in Port Townsend, Washington. How did you develop your passion for mountain climbing? You just have to simply go and try, right? And you never know until you try. So look, this is the thing, you know, for anyone who is knows anything who think of climbing and all that, um, well, I have a guiding company as well. You can come and do with me or anybody else. You can find so many people. Just go out there and do it. And then you will know either you like it or you don't. And if you like it, it's bonus. If you don't like it, at least you tried well, you know, I know some people who have climbed, like, say, Mount Rainier in Washington State. They just do it because they want to do it. It's their sort of thing. And then they come back and go back to their lives. Yeah. But you jumped into a whole nother level, obviously. Do you remember the moment that you said, this is something that I really want to do and really take it seriously? Um, not really, but so it, was, it wasn't until, in a March, like, 2019, before that, I was a doorkeeper, and I was with the Special Forces, and I really used to love that job. Uh, but in between, I used to go and, and climb here and there. But um, 2019, the reason why I resigned from the Special Forces career was I found a purpose, and the purpose was to do this unimaginable thing that the whole world is not like saying, you know, something that people think is really impossible. Even Red Bull was saying that it's like, you know, you're saying that even a stream to the moon. So it's something that the world thinks impossible, but look, I knew that I could make it possible. And the reason why was, one, you know, coming from really humble background, everything can literally be on top of the world if you, if you really walk into it. The second one was, I wanted to uplift the name of the Nepalese climbers who have been in shadow for way too long. And those were the purpose that gave me the, the energy, and that's why I was able to keep up everything, put online, and go and do this. Well, jumping to the most incredible feat that I've practically ever heard of, you climbed 14 of the world's tallest mountain peaks. That's number one. Number two, 
The record for doing this prior to you accomplishing this feat was like eight years. And then you ended up doing it in the course of um, six months. Now, I'm going to use an analogy here, and maybe my audience will understand it. Tom Brady, the quarterback for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, he just recently retired. And I just looked up that he... uh, he, he retired with um, 624 touchdowns during his career. So if someone came in and passed for 2,000 touchdowns in his career following that, that's the impact that I look at what you did that took eight years to accomplish, and you did it in six months. Okay, it took me a long time to get there, but how in the heck did you do that? Hey, you know, as I said, um, I've always... I've never said, you know, first thing that I can do, I'm a man of my word. Second thing, whenever I say something, I work towards it. Like even growing up as a child, I wanted to be a Gurkha in the British military. And at that point, 32,000 people were applying to be a Gurkha. It's a huge selection process, big physical and mental test. Only 230 made it. And after that, even bigger, the bigger, like, you know, no Gurkha had ever been to the SBS in 200 years of history. Again, with so much training, you can see all these important things, you know, how I was training and all that. Um, it's in Netflix, by the way. I trained so hard and I became the first ever guy to the Gurkha to be in the SBS. But then again, the whole mountaineering was literally the purpose was bigger than I really wanted to show the world that doesn't matter where you come from, not, you know, you can show the world nothing is impossible. And equally, I really wanted to do you know, this justice to the Netflix climbers who have been under the saddle for way too long, right? So those were the purpose that I believed in. And yeah, you know, I think, look, my training regime was, I used to wake up at one o'clock in the morning, carry 75 pounds, run 20 kilometers to the barracks. Then I do normal military work. Then I do, again, military physical training, plaster the whole day because I was in English. In the evening, I run back again 20 kilometers on the same day. Then I go to the gym, cycle 64 kilometers, and I front call swim in 25 meter length 100 times. And that was my day one. And I used to do that for six months, training six days a week. To every folks who's listening there, to achieve your bigger goals, to achieve your bigger dreams, you have to be self-motivated. Motivation is certainly enough. What I mean by that is, if your coach has to come and train you, just say, hey, you've got to do this. If your mom and dad has to come and work you out of the bed and you still wake up at any time, that is not good enough. You've got to be self-motivated. You've got to wake up yourself. You've got to be in the football pitch before everybody else. You do that, right? Once you do that kind of stuff, then, you know, the success will be there. The, the chances of making the impossible will be there. Well, self-motivation is one thing, but uh, your self-motivation on steroids times 100. It's incredible what you did. I also read that um, you uh, really did some evaluation and really saw in the mountains that you were climbing, the peaks and things, (laughs) evidence of climate change. Yes. So, look, brother, it's it's a massive change. There's a place in Nepal, a lot of places, but one example is Hinda Glacier, that glacier is no more a glacier. It's a lake now. And look, millions of lives directly depend upon that. So the world that we're facing now is, you know, the biggest crisis that we're going to have is, is the climate crisis. So I'm doing whatever we can do. I'm just playing my part as a mountaineer 
to, to clean up in the mountains and giving back to the society in order to restore the sustainability of my home, Earth, back. And that's what I'm playing my part, you know. And I hope everybody will take part in this, whatever they're doing to, to make this change now. My thanks to Nim Persia. What an amazing feat for him and uh, the people who accompanied him on this incredible adventure. If you want to get a copy of either book, and again, one is directed to children and one directed to adults, all you need to do is Google Beyond Possible, and you will come up to the site where you can order the books. I know I've said this many times, but I'm not paid a promotional fee to conduct these interviews. If you or a loved one has diabetes, you know that keeping up with your health care is important, but can be time-consuming and costly. The good news is, if you are on Medicare, your benefits can help. Here are some tips from the National Association of Area Agencies on Aging and United Healthcare. Know your numbers. Medicare covers blood glucose monitors, test strips, and other supplies, as well as lab tests for A1C checks. Take care of your eyes. Medicare covers medically necessary vision screenings, including screenings for people with diabetes. Get moving. Talk to your doctor about what exercise is right for you. Some Medicare Advantage plans include a gym membership benefit. To learn more about healthy aging, contact your local area agency on aging. To learn more about Medicare, visit MedicareMadeClear.com.
You're listening to Voices of Experience with Paul Casey. My commentary today is about the customer. Is the customer always right? You've often heard the expression, the customer is always right. This sounds like a noble goal, but for the self-employed, it's simply not true. The maxim of the customer is always right was created primarily for the restaurant and retail industries. And it's in these industries that the maxim works best. The motto expresses the idea that customer service is a top priority and that customers must be satisfied. So, if a restaurant customer doesn't like his meal, the waiter should allow him to select another entree. Of course, you should always try to do the best job possible and satisfy your clients in every way. If a client has a reasonable complaint, you should address it immediately and make corrections to satisfy him or her. If the client wants something done in a certain way, let's say, for example, we must include this concept in our marketing campaign, you must be flexible and creative enough to accommodate the individual. Always make sure you give the client the best possible product or service. Your best strategy is to simply avoid working with clients that are high maintenance. Trust me, you will save yourself plenty of mental and financial frustration if you choose not to work with high-maintenance business people. It may be hard to turn these clients down when you're just starting out and you need the business. Sometimes it seems as if you must take on the devil's client to get the money you need for next month's rent. High-maintenance customers can suck the energy right out of you and your business. Worse, they may not even pay for your services and could cost you your business. This almost happened to me twice. That's all the time we have for this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey, along with Eric Crema. We thank you for joining us today. Eric, that was really great advice that you were able to get from Stacy and Tom. Yeah, thank you. You know, they're such a lovely couple. Clearly, they love what they do very much like you. It's a passion for them to help people. So I think you you heard that in the interview. So thank you for that. I was I was really happy to speak with them. Yeah, as I said, it's so timely too. And I, as I said at the beginning of the show, that this is something that's really on a lot of people's minds right now and for good reason. And uh, that was uh, very good information. So one more time, when does their show air? So that's Thursday at one o'clock in the afternoon. They're also via podcast. That would be on 1150 AM, which is also a station that Voices of Experience airs at, uh, at the same time, uh, Wednesdays at three. So all that great programming on both these stations, Kixie and and KKNW, really the best thing to do, Paul, is just go to the uh, respective websites, Uh, to learn about uh, the programming there and what we've got. Uh, Great job, too, on your interviews. Fascinating, really. Uh, I I, I was just amazed listening to your guests, their experiences, and it makes me uh, inspired to maybe climb the stairs at least to work (laughs) as opposed to taking the elevator. Yes, I really think that you captured what that was all about. Yeah, I feel the same way, but these people get up and and do these incredible things. I mean, this guy, it's amazing to me. It's almost not human, but yeah. Uh, what yeah. A, and then he was such so down to earth too, as an individual, you right? Know? And uh, and I I wonder too if you'd just pass this person on the street and not know what an amazing background they have. You know, sometimes it's just great to stop and talk with people. You never know what you're going to find out. Um, but great job as always on those interviews. Really interesting. Well, you just said something there. Why we do what we do, and you do the same thing, Eric. You're just curious with people and. I'm saying there's not an interview that may be somewhat of an exaggeration, but not a big one 
that I don't learn something that I just don't know about when mm-hmm. I talk to someone. I go, wow, I didn't know that. So this is why I love doing this all the time. I want to obviously continue going for some time in the future. Well, speak- you always learn from some people. Absolutely. And speaking of interviews, uh, what do you have going on next week's show? Well, I'm going to have two-time Pulitzer Prize-winning cartoonist David Horsey on. Oh, I love him. You may know this, Eric, but I interview him once a year. I think he's just brilliant. I mean, he's a brilliant cartoonist. I mean, he's in the Seattle Times and he worked for the LA Times. I think people know the name of David mm-hmm. Horsey. If they don't, you've been kind of living under a rock. But he he really has a talent that's incredible. And um, I'm going to just do, oh, just kind of a background talk with him about what he thinks is going on in the city of Seattle, the county, maybe the state, the nation and the world. Just uh, heavy hitting, but he's always got a really good view of what I think is going on at the time. So that will be for next week. And I just want to remind uh, everybody that this show, Voices of Experience, airs Wednesdays at 3 p.m. in a simulcast on KKNW AM 1150 at the same time, and then repeated on Kixie on Sundays at 11 a.m. Thanks to Eric Crema, host of Spotlight on Success, and executive producers Steve Mills and Benny Mathers. Quote of the week, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. Winston Churchill. And finally, experience is our best teacher. That's not Winston Churchill. That's from me. Adoption of teens from foster care is a topic not enough people know about, and we're here to change that. I'm April Dinwiddie, host of the new podcast, Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Each episode brings you compelling real-life adoption stories told by the families that live them with commentary from experts. Visit adoptuskids.org slash podcast or subscribe to Navigating Adoption, presented by Adopt US Kids. Brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services Administration for Children and Families and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. Your prescription will be ready in just a minute. Hey, Dad, your laundry will be ready in just a minute. Dad, your lunch will be ready in just a minute. Hey, honey, why don't you take a minute? When you help care for a loved one, you give them as much time as you can. But it's just as important to take time for yourself. AARP can help. Find free care guides to support you and your loved one at aarp.org caregiving. That's aarp.org caregiving. Brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. In this portion of the show, we talk about yet another aspect of the self-employment quiz, which is found at VoicesOfExperience.com. This week, Paul, let's discuss business execution. Yes. I have 20 questions on the quiz, as you know, Mm -hmm. and I believe that execution is absolutely critical to the success of people. And all of these questions have really come to me over the years. I mean, I didn't have these 20 questions when I started business. It's like, what does it take? And I wrote the book, Is Self-Employment for You? And in the book, I didn't try or attempted to talk people into going to business or out of it. The intent of the book is just to say to people, the higher you score on this quiz as a part of it, you hire prospects for success. And what I mean is that, again, I'm not trying to sell you into going to business for yourself or not. If you read this book and say, I can do this. And you go ahead and do it, great. If you mm-hmm. read the book and say, no, no, I can't do this, not right now. I got too many other obligations, then I win there too. So that's how I set the parameters of the book. I read a quote from Thomas Edison years ago and it stuck with me. Success is 1% inspirational, 99% perspiration. So Think true. Think about that. Yeah, so you true. Know? 
We can have a great idea. And I found over the years that people would come to me and say, oh, Paul, you know, you should do this. You should do that. You should do this. And I'm going, great. Why don't you go do it? <laughs> you know, because, you, yeah, you do get a really realistic sense of what it's like to run a business day in and day out. And just to go over what Thomas Edison did and why he said what he did, I believe, is that, you know, he first discovered the phonograph. So he was already extremely successful. But investors like J.P. Morgan was interested in the light bulb. So they pursued building a light bulb. And it took over a couple of years to find the right combination to make the light bulb work. And, uh, you know, they went through glass blowers, wire, and uh, that didn't work. And then they went to something else in terms of trying to, you know, get it to work and last for longer than two minutes because it wouldn't be at all useful if it just went, the light bulb went out, went on for two minutes and then just went off. They used a carbonized strip and that was in the shape of a horseshoe. Then they went to a bamboo, Japanese bamboo. They were getting closer. You know, they were having that last for about, uh, uh, that's the one that lasts for about a month. But then he discovered the tungsten wires that could burn for a thousand hours. All this intensity and focus went into that. And now we had the light bulb. And um, the tungsten wires are still used in the light bulb today. Another little quick story, I'll get through this fast, is that Jackie Collins, the author, not a big fan of her books per se. However, I did see her interviewed one time and she said, I hear people come up to when I'm doing book signings and go, that's my book, that Hollywood Housewives, that's my book. And she's going, no, it, it really isn't. She wouldn't say this, but she said, no, it's me. It's my book. I'm the one who uh, stayed up for 12 hour days and working six months nonstop and researching to get the book out. So that's the point. If you can execute what you do, your prospects for success will be much higher. Great information, Paul. And if you'd like to take the self-employment quiz, head on over to VoicesOfExperience.com forward slash home. That's VoicesOfExperience.com forward slash home. Uh, great information, Paul, and best to you. Uh, we'll speak next week. Sounds good, Eric. Take care. When a flock of geese knocked out two engines on U.S. Airways Flight 1549 right after takeoff from LaGuardia Airport, who would you want in the cockpit? Captain Sully or a pilot on their maiden flight? If Captain Sully was your choice, then experience is important to you. And that's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. A variety of topics are explored, including local and national public affairs, self-employment, travel, lifestyles, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Now, Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com.